putting on the helmet of salvation. These are the things that we're putting on. Like believer, don't just say, uh, how do you know you've been saved? Uh, because God is good. And I, I go to church and I, I, I experienced good things in, in Sunday school. But instead, put into place, put into practice the things that we know. Because I was dead. Because I was disobedient. Because I was living my life by the feelings that I had instead of by truth. So I received the helmet of salvation and I began to understand I've been inherited into God's family. Though I'm not deserving of that, he has adopted me into it. Though I'm not worthy of even being in his presence, he's given me mercy and allowed his son to take my place and receive the wrath that I couldn't hold on to, the the wrath that I couldn't bear. His son took that upon himself and I'm receiving this as a free gift, not earned by anyone but given freely to those that God has created. And this is huge. And in that, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of your own works so that you may boast. How often do we boast about things that we have, that we have earned? How often do we uh, build ourselves up? Let me tell you about how good I am. Let me tell you about all the things that I've accomplished. Let me tell you about how great other people think that I am. I'm reading a book about um, how not to raise selfish children. I was hoping maybe Reese would look up how to how to not to um, how not to raise selfish children. And we live in this society today that um, that we say a lot of things about ourselves. And we go on and on in conversation. Maybe you know people like this. Maybe I'm talking about myself here. Uh, but you go on and on in conversation. Let me just tell you how how great I am. Let me tell you about how good I am. Let me tell you about all my accomplishments. Let me boast a little bit. And then the conversation would shift somewhat to, you know what, I've, I've talked way too much about myself, uh, so let's, let's give you a chance. What do you think about me? That's, that's the world that we live in. We live in a very prideful, boastful world. And salvation is something that we often become proud of. Let me show you my chart. I got a spreadsheet. Let me show you how good I am. Paul would say in Philippians, let me, let me tell you about how godly of a Pharisee and a religious leader I was. And then he would go on to say, but, but can I tell you that compared to knowing Christ, all those things that I could boast in, that I could be prideful about, I'm going to count those as rubbish. I'm going to call that garbage compared to knowing Christ. What you win people with is what you win them to. And if you win them to the things that you're boasting in and the things are you, you can only expect that they would be just like you. And, and maybe some of you are, I know. Some of you are better than me. And, and that would be okay if I was the judge. If I was the judge, I would say, absolutely, I want you to be better than me, so please become like Brian. Absolutely, I want you to be better than me, so please become like Mandy. But I am not the judge And so don't look to me for that advice to say, here's how good you should be. But instead we we look to Christ and say, I cannot be good enough. But Christ is perfect. And so because of that, I want to trust in him and trust completely in him, not in my own work so that I may boast, but only in Christ Jesus. And then with that, so we're receiving this helmet of salvation so that we can go to work. We don't just put a helmet on just to say, look at my helmet. We put a helmet on so we can go to to work. You put a football helmet on because you're about to play a a game. 
If you're just walking around town with your football helmet on, I'm going to tell you people will talk about you. And it won't be, probably it won't be good things. You put the helmet on because you're about to go to work. So verse, verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We can walk in them without the helmet on. We, we could do that. But we would not be able to battle well. So we want to walk in these good works that he's prepared for us with the helmet of salvation on. One, to remind us that God is offering us protection, offering our mind pr pr protection from the lies that are often thrown out from church people and from non-church people. Be better at what you do for Christ because if you're better at what you do for Christ, then you'll be better in Christ's eyes. Sometimes that's taught at church. That's not scripture. And then the world would say, Christ isn't worth it. Quit following him. Do your own thing. Go with your feelings. Tell Whatever your gut is saying, go with that gut feeling and do and do those things. And so we have to be rooted in Christ and receiving the helmet of salvation, covering our minds, covering something that's really important to our, to our living so that we can be rooted in Christ and do the good works that he has set before us to do. Again, the small time that I was on the volunteer fire department, the helmet was my least favorite thing to put on because it had a visor, because it was heavy, because you strapped it on, because I always felt like it was in the, in the way. And when you put the visor on, it, it felt like it impeded my vision. I can't see all those things. But I will tell you this. Every time that I had the helmet on and I was wearing it, I was never unaware of it being there. It was always there. I felt the, the load on my head. I knew that the protection was there. And when I did walk into a board or did fall down or something dropped on my head, I was prepared for that. I had the protection on that was needed to be. The same with the helmet of salvation. You can try your best in this world. You can do and do and do. And just to be a little crass this morning, if you add those together, all you'll have is doo-doo. And that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians. That at the end of the day, you can pile it all upon each other, and it will just be garbage. It will be rubbish. In King James, it will be dung. So we have to think about that. We have to say, we're receiving this helmet of salvation from God. It's not anything that we can do. And so he's giving it to us. And so daily, I can walk upright and I can be prepared for these good works that he set before me. And I can battle not for victory, thinking I'm going to have to put my head down and ram my way into this world. But instead I can stand upright and I can fight from victory. Because Christ has won every battle. He has defeated death forever. Sin no longer has reign over you. But instead, because of Christ, because of your confession, if you have, your confession of Christ as Lord, You've been set free, and you are free indeed. So let's move on. So we've got all these parts of the armor on. We've got the shoes. We've got the belt. We've got the breastplate. We've got the shield, and we've got the helmet. And now it's time to begin walking this journey that Christ has called us to walk. Walking these in, in these good works that he has set out before us. It's time for us to get to work and go in battle 
from victory. And so he gives us the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That should be enough right there. I don't even I shouldn't even have to go on any further. But any other Christian in here like me, any other believer of Christ in here like me, that oftentimes we we go through life and we come up with great plans and schemes and we think through things. I'm I'm thinking about Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans that man makes, but it's the Lord's purpose that stands. And I think how often I've struggled, how often I've looked to other things for help. And all along, there's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, ready for me to use, not to cast judgment necessarily, but to defend myself against the lies that the prince of the air, Satan, wants to throw at me. Now think about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I mean, how often have you thrown out Scripture to someone, trying to encourage them and counsel them? Oh, yeah, those, are, those are good words. But what I'm needing is something for right now. Like, can you just give me something that I can actually, actually use? Church, is sh- that's a, we should be ashamed of this church. That the world would think that God's word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, is not useful. I mean, you, you probably have Second Timothy 3.16 memorized. That the word of God is breathed out by him. His words put into, 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 uh, onto paper so that we could have it and study it. And it's useful for a number of things to train us and equip us in the way of righteousness. Yet so many people are like, can you just give me something that's actually usable? Can you just give me something that I can actually put, put to work? Well, why not just study God's word? Why, why not just memorize God's word and put it into practice? And be people of the truth, people of the word who, who actually trust that these faithful words are from, are from God. Turn to Luke chapter 24. There was a great day that we celebrated back in April. You probably remember it. Um, it's come to be known as Easter. Some still call it Resurrection Day. What a great accomplishment Christ did for us. Can I get an amen for that? You know, I mean, what a great accomplishment Christ did when he defeated death and rose from the grave. And But did it really happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Many of us kind of treat it like it was just a, another day to celebrate. Uh, one day, and not an everyday thing. I mean, was it really something that actually historically happened? And if so, do we really truly believe in it? We do at least once a year. But how often do we actually put that belief into practice? Luke 24, starting in verse 1, says this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You remember this? I mean, it's just a few weeks ago we talked about this. You're familiar with this story, right? You've heard it maybe as much as Jonah and the whale, or great fish, sorry. Uh, David and the tall guy. You've heard this story before. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. What? Where did he go? 
While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. They had been bedazzled. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Just a short reminder. If you have confessed Christ as Lord, though his physical presence doesn't seem to be here, he is alive. He is not dead. I think there's a movie about that, even a song. And as they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise? That's what these two bedazzled men said to those at the tomb that morning. Don't you remember what Jesus said? Don't you remember the words that came out of his mouth? And Luke wrote this down for us, inspired by God. Verse 8, one of the shortest verses probably in the Bible. Verse 8 said this, And they remembered his words. Memorize that for a second. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. A mission statement, a vision statement for a church should be, and they remembered his words. Do this for remembrance of me. Okay, what, what, what did he say? Let's remember his words. Let's put those things into action. What am I to do today? Uh, it's Monday morning. What should I What should I do? Let's remember the words of Jesus. What did he command you to do? I have no idea. Well, why don't you know? You haven't been studying his words. You haven't been memorizing his words. You haven't been putting into practice the words of Christ. Remembering the widows. Remembering the orphans. Remembering the outcast. Remembering the broken. Remembering those who are sick. Remembering those who are in prison. Remembering those who are in need of Jesus. Remembering that lowly Samaritan who's in need of help. Whoever the Samaritan may be. And they remembered his words. I mean, this is what we're talking about. When we put on the armor of God, we receive the salvation from God and we put in our hand to put into practice and put to work the sword of the spirit which is the word of God daily we wake up and say what are the words of Jesus that I should remember today so I can go battle not for victory because it's been won already but from victory and they remembered his words Acts chapter 2 no how about Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1, we'll start in verse 6. See, last Thursday was an, a really, really, really important day. Pr probably just as important as Easter. Probably just as important as Christmas. Probably just as important as the day you confess Christ for the first time as Lord of your life. L last Thursday was a really, really important day. But I didn't get any cards. I didn't have any parties thrown. We didn't have a, a special service here at the church. No, no, some of you are thinking, well, was it his birthday? <laughs> it was not. But it was 40 days after Christ resurrected. See, 
Another phenomenal thing that we believe in is the ascension of Jesus. That he is no longer dead. That he rose three days after he was crucified, and then he, 40 days later, ascended into heaven. Not to die ever again, and to give us hope of eternal life. I mean, just for a moment, think, don't, don't be boastful and prideful about this, but how many of you woke up Thursday morning and said, hey, it's 40 days after Easter. This is the day we celebrate Christ ascending into heaven. I'm not trying to put guilt upon you saying, next year I'm going to put that on my calendar. I'm going to prove it to the pastor. I celebrated Ascension Day. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is this. Do you remember the words of Christ? Yeah, we, we trust in his resurrection. But do we trust in what Hebrews 1 tells us? That when the work was completed and our sins were forgiven, he ascended into heaven and is now seated with all authority at the right hand of God. What a moment to celebrate. And that's why we put the word of God in our hand and say, let's get to work. Because we, the one who have received salvation from God through his son Jesus, we have his, we have his words. Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him. Or, I'm going to pause for a second. I forgot to tell you this. The book of Acts is written by the same guy that wrote the gospel according to Luke. Luke wrote Acts, and I think about Luke 24, verse 8, and, he, and they remembered the words that he said. And in verse uh, 6 we go here in Acts chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking upon him, he was lifted up, or he ascended, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And then verse 10 says this, And while they were still Gazing into heaven as he went, the deacons of the church yelled out, Don't forget his words. The Sunday school teachers of the church yelled out, Don't forget his words. The vacation Bible school leaders of the church yelled out, Don't forget his words. The normal, everyday, average believer who's been saved by Jesus yelled out, Don't forget his words. The sword of the Spirit in your hand, not to cast judgment, but to remind the world you have been created by a loving Father. But because of your sin, you have been distanced from Him, divided from Him. And you need forgiveness of those. You need saving. And let me tell you what I have in my hand. I have the words of God in my hand. And I want to tell you, I want you to remember these two, that God wants to save you. He wants you to be restored he wants you to be adopted into his family because he finds you worthy of that. And he wants to have mercy on you. And so because of that, he gave up his son for, for you. So remember his words, that it is finished. Salvation is given to us freely. It is finished. The battle has been won. It is finished. Forever it is finished because of who Christ is. I may have changed those words a little bit there, Please do not email me and say you didn't preach correctly. I will finish what it actually says. 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, maybe they weren't bedazzled this time, two of them stood by them with white robes and said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Remember his, remember his words. The helmet of salvation is for the protection of you. Put it on, receive it from God. And the sword of the Spirit is to be used as you go to battle, remembering the words of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time this morning. Pray that you are honored by the way that we uh, respond in this next moment as we sing a song. We talk about things that are eternal, God. We, um, we respond by thinking about placing our trust in something that's concrete or firm 